Hello and welcome to the Movies in a Podshell podcast, the podcast which takes one great film and couples it with another film of a linkage. We have a linkage. This is episode 17, where we're going to be discussing Taxi Driver. What a classic. I am buzzing. We've decided to pair it with Joker. Uh, the pairing this week is isolated male existentialism. Maybe a rip-off, an absolute rip-off. That could be that could be a link. I'm joined as per usual by the birthday boy. You can call him Johnny. Happy birthday, John. Happy birthday. Thanks, mate. Dedicated to the pod, recording on the birthday night. What more Absolutely. What more could you ask for? Dedication. How old are you? 29 today. So. Aw, lovely. Yeah. And Happy we celebrated, days. didn't we, on Saturday? We did. It was the it was the first night out we've had in about a year what, two years? Year and yeah. a half. A long yeah. time. And I, and I think long, I treated it. I, I think I treated it as such. <laughs> I did. No, it was really nice to actually just get around and do normal things again. So yeah, we we had a good old time. Uh, do you know what we ended up did we did end up debating films with people even that evening. So did we? We, we didn't even we, shut up off air about what it. What were we then. debating? Please uh, remind me. I think we were talking about Tax Driver Joker because oh, because right, of okay. the pod, and then I think it sparked a debate with a few of my friends and with with others. Yes, I think it's a. I think it's very today. very divisive, and there's. I really felt this week that I'm going into this pod and I could have done a week's worth of revision and it wouldn't have been enough because there's so many underlying themes here, yeah. so many links. I, I kind of felt for this one the same way I felt when we did the Watchmen episode, though, which was almost there's so much to it that you're not going to cover all of it. So I hope we give you the broad strokes of, of these ideas. But the thing I've always tried to do, and I hope you guys have picked up on it recently, is I'm trying to watch critique as well as positive reviews for all these films. because I think it's really important to I love Snyder, but in the Watchmen episode, I made a point of saying the things that people didn't like from it and then kind of my take on what I did and didn't like so I'm trying to do the same for even Taxi Driver believe it or not and and for Joker because it's interesting looking at the things some people have issues with and others don't and, and how the viewpoints really change so but we'll get into that but but first and foremost we should probably talk about what we've been watching I'm just going to start off because I've not got a lot to say I have essentially watched King of Comedy as well because Jamie really I think he actually said on the pod he really wanted me to watch that before we went into watching Taxi Driver and I more, so, more so Joker I yeah, needed you to watch it really glad I did but I'll be honest I'm not really going to talk about it now because I think it's just going to come up in conversation later on anyway so we'll go more into that later on uh and then i mean did, did you like it yes i did okay. i did like it but I, I found really interesting is i mean admittedly now it's on amazon prime but i think prior to joker that film was pretty difficult to actually get hold of in terms of find it out i don't yeah, know if I you mean, found the same you, well it's, it's funny because you you made a really good point to me because we'll talk about later in the pod how i feel about um joker and I was really high on it when I first watched it. Um, I thought, yes, this, this was absolutely brilliant. And then when I went and watched The King of Comedy, which a, a few people were saying it was like, yeah, inspired by, I thought King of Comedy was, I, I actually prefer it to Taxi Driver. I think it's, I think it is top three Scorsese. I think it's incredible. And I was surprised like, by that reaction for you for the top three Scorsese thing, because I personally much preferred Raging Bull and Taxi Driver. But again, I can see, you know, we could have this debate all day with, yeah, with Tom yeah, Scorsese. No, and also, let's be honest, or it's, it's, it, I think I said this to, to you before with like Hitchcock, there's loads of films, but even bad Hitchcock is still better than most other films. And I still feel the f same with Scorsese. When people say, oh, Casino's terrible. It's like, Casino's not terrible. It's like, um, it's... I used to prefer Casino to Goodfellas for a long, long oh, time. Here you I, go. Think, I think Casino is, 
and, and this is where I get uh, yeah anyway but that, that's the, the point I'm making sorry the point I'm making though is like people are really quick to say if they don't like a certain Scorsese film how bad it is but I still will always have the argument with them which is even a bad uh, in inverted commas a bad Scorsese is still a lot better than others however I did absolutely slate to you um, was it New York New York is yeah the, you didn't like it yeah though. I can't stand that film so maybe maybe that's the one exception <laughs> one to of Scorsese's first so however wh- what, what have you been watching sorry before yeah. we get in any further no 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 absolutely um, so I watched The Devil Wears Prada that is a great um, film I liked it a lot the end really annoyed me uh, um, I can completely understand why that would annoy you uh, yes I don't want I'm yeah. not going to ruin it for anyone but the end wound me up something rotten I, I enjoyed yeah. it throughout I thought the writing's pretty smart if not on the nose sometimes um, but yeah like it's a it's a fun film for anyone out there that that doesn't know um, what Devil Wears Prada is. I'm sure you've heard the name a million times. Meryl Streep, Anne Hathaway, Emily Blunt, Stanley Tucci, uh, a, a kind of a new favourite of mine. Um, basically, uh, a girl moves to New York uh, to work in the fashion industry. Her boss is hardcore. The hence the Devil Wears Prada. Get it? Um, <laughs> yeah, I must say, guys, if anyone has watched the latest Cruella film, it's very much a similar ilk with the the fashion industry yeah. take is very much... Uh, have you have you watched Cruella now? Not yet. No, okay, no. but they're, they've, they're very much picking up on that vibe because I know it's Emma Thompson instead of... Yeah. Emma Thompson yeah, and yeah. Emma Stone instead, but they've very much gone down that route. Right, okay, cool. Get it, get it. Right, so then the other one... Um, so the other film I watched was the family watched another two, three hundred. Uh, little Snyder, fancied a bit of Snyder. I'm quite upset you've actually watched that because now we can do film nights again. That would have been a great one on the projector, mate. I'm not. It, it, would, it would have been. That would have been a good. That would have yeah. been a good one. But I've well, not seen Army one. of the Dead yet, so maybe you should come around. Not Army of the Dead. What was the the Vegas one? That's Army, Army of the Dead. Yeah, I've not seen. Maybe Army. you should come around and we can do that. Okay, I'm up for a sign. 300, I mean, what's to tell? He's all brilliant. I, I like 300. I think it's really good. I think it's visually I remember watching it with you at uni, and I I've, I still love it. I first saw that film when I was a teenager with Ben and Pete, who was writing at the pod. I remember, you know, that the first time you saw the speed ramping and the fights like that, which I've talked about so many times on the pod. Speed ramping again is when you go from normal motion to maybe it speeds up and then slows right down to like 20%. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. And the effect gives you the sense of like adrenaline in a fight and stuff and it gets you really pumped up yeah. so I absolutely adore that film I just think Gerard Butler's got so many like immortal lines in it like it's just he's very it's so just it's very manly isn't it just all just very testosterone fueled well it's accused um, of being very homoerotic isn't it because of the the imagery oh, is very much but a lot of like the Greek mythology and, and those kind of things are and the way they're described yeah. when you read them are described that way. in it is he? Yeah, so I didn't know so exactly, way. Yeah, which is mad, right? Because he's standing there with like, he's got really long hair um, and he's ripped to the bone, which he always is. I was going to say, is he shredded in it? Yeah, 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 of course he I is. Don't well, yeah, the, yeah they, they all are. Like, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's good. Anyway, uh, Zack Snyder, 300. Um, I'm just thinking Jamie with his beard today, obviously he'll, he'll be watching 300 thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just like one of those Spartans. Same body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly the same body as well. Like, um, yeah. That's a Photoshop waiting to happen. What are you trying to say? Um, the uh, <laughs> so and then I watched um, the Purge because the Purge is out in the cinema, the new one. Um, so I just decided to watch the first one. I have seen it. Would you believe that's one of the rare horror films I've watched on my own? 
with without watching it with you so a home invasion film on your own so, what I, were you thinking so where i don't know actually because it's very unlikely i think it's one of those things where it's culturally it was such a big deal people talked about it all the time and i was like i need to know what this purge thing is and, yeah. and, and get on with it i'll be honest it's the the idea of it i like i think it's a really clever concept it's also in a lot of original at least two episodes of the original series of star trek by the way anyway um <laughs> but the the concept of it is way better than the execution of it if that makes sense like the film itself i think i remember the timing and the acting was pretty naff and it was all very hammy but the the tension is there in terms of the setup do you know what I mean? Like, right. so it, I think the horror setup of it is great, but I just think, again, it was when the acting production value for me, I just, I, it didn't, it didn't agree with me. But yeah, that was a long time ago. To be fair, I watched that literally. Oh, it must have been at least twenty fifteen. It's all, so it's a while it's, ago. It's all right. It, it, it didn't hold up for me. I much preferred it the first time round. Um, it didn't hold up for me as much. Basically, you, it's just a home invasion film, like one night of yeah. the year. Um, everyone is allowed to when it hits seven o'clock, seven till seven, twelve hours of murder whatever you want and you get away with it it's everything's legal and the idea behind it is it reduces all crime rate because you can just get it all out your system for one night johnny if there was a purge in real life what would you do in real life i probably just want something like i want a good sports car do you know what i mean just get a car oh we, oh, oh right okay you have to do that you have, so do you have to have, you about the next have day? to You'd also have to walk out of your house, and there'd be loads oh, yeah. of people out there just killing. No, so you go you for do, the, would you, what, is that, you do what, what the family. You no, know, you do what the family were doing, which is you just lock, like batten down the hatches and go for it. Mm. You don't get any targets. No one you'd target. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If we, if we, um, I, I'm thinking like we've. To be fair, we're, we're, we've all been locked down for like a year and a half. We'd be fine with battening down the hatches for twelve hours for one yeah. evening. Any, any like right. any old teachers you go around and egg their house, maybe get away with it. Something no. I, I can imagine you do something juvenile like that. Like nothing, nothing bad, but like just egg someone. You've house. obviously got something you want to say. What, what would you do? I'd come around yours and we'd batten down the hatches and we'd watch. And no, oh, you thought I was about to say I'd kill you. Yeah, I was like, oh. like and I'd kill him and I'd earn all the rights for the podcast. Excellent. I'd, I'd kill him and I'd steal his projector. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's probably it. I'd steal what your surround gonna... sound, mate, and I'd be living there. I'd be like, okay, fine. All right. mm, I'll just buy one. That's all I'd do. The yeah, reason that's why probably I, a good idea. I, my, my, the shape of the room simply doesn't accommodate surround sound. Have to have a square, um, mate, all day. I would, I was going to say, right, much nicer on your birthday, I would batten down, I would come around yours, we'd batten down the hatches and we'd watch some, some good films, not, not home invasion films but like Strangers or Purge. Because it's me, I'd want to be optimistic so we'd have to watch nice films. Yeah, that's, that's okay. or, or, or I'd make you watch Star Trek the original series yeah. till it's blown over like smash through a series really randomly actually I have thought of a film I've watched and it was just on uh, what's the the one with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore and she Blended. has them no when she has when she forgets the stuff every day 50 first dates yes I'd never seen it before any good uh, I quite enjoyed it I'm not gonna lie I don't it's one of those things with with those comedies can you say it's good I don't know if it's good but like it pulled on the heartstrings I've not seen it I quite like Adam Sandler to be fair like whoa I love I love Happy Gilmore Billy Madison Uh, I've not seen Happy Gilmore I've not seen Click so it's Billy Madison no I've Uh, I've not essentially what I'm saying was I've not seen a lot of Adam Sandler definitely um, love or hate definitely love or hate I really enjoyed it because I I think um, 
I don't know if it's because I'm old and going soft or if it's because of lockdowns and stuff, but I don't know about you. There were certain films that I used to just not react to and now I'm just far more like... I don't know what it is. I've got way softer as I've got older. Trust yeah, because right. there's so many things where I was like, oh, that's, that's rubbish. I've got no I never used to cry at nothing and then here I am uh, crying at... Like, Choking up. Never-ending story. Yeah. Um, oh, I'll tell you what, though, if we're talking about never-ending story, when I used to watch that as a kid, have I already said this on the pod, that werewolf is vile. Oh the, yeah, he's well. Oh, it's uh, what's it called? The nothing. The nothing. Yeah, and he's yeah. pulling him into the cave. And I remember as a kid being, "This is not okay." What about when Atreyu? That's now. That's not very nice, is it? His horse. Oh yeah. I don't want to spoil yeah. anything. Yeah. Watch Neverending Story. Very, and very good. I'll be honest. The boy's very annoying, though. Bastian. Very I haven't watched annoying. it in a few years, but I'll tell you what used to freak me out as well. There's the girl who's like the angel. Who's the? Is she the queen or something? Yeah, she's annoying. What? Well, I'm not, I wasn't going to say that. I just she freaked me out. The fact it was all white and angelic just used to really. I, I don't. It's quite a trippy film. It's quite a trippy the film. The never-ending story. Oh. We're just not in sync, are we? But yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> great soundtrack. Um, I'd recommend watch Neverending Story, Labyrinth, Double Bill, perfect Double Bill. There you go. Start off the show with that. Last film I watched, um, Dead Quick, Sin City. Sin City. Yes. What are you saying? Have you read it as well? Because you're. I haven't read it actually. One of the, oh, one of the ones, one of the rare ones I haven't. No. Okay. Um. So yeah. Frank Miller. Frank Miller. Robert again. Rodriguez, a personal favorite. Yes. Of mine. Uh, I really like Sin City, and a big reason I was big into it. So it's a few things. That I apologize. I'm probably repeating myself on the Watchmen episode. It's a lot of panels being copied over again. Like right, a okay. lot of panels being copied like, in a good way. And also, we've talked briefly about comic or comic book films or graphic novels, which actually look like the graphic novel. And I think Sin City is probably the one, aside from Watchmen, that is the most looks like it. And also, that production process worked really well for that film because it was stylized. Because green screen at that point still wasn't great, but because I think it's about two thousand and nine or earlier. It is 2005. Sorry, guys, take it back. 2005. But at that point, the green screen could still be quite hit and miss. We're in the prequels era. By the third one, they kind of nailed it. But, you know, but for Sin City, with the black and white styling and with the digital backdrops, it worked really well. One of the first things I ever green screen keyed uh, in software that I had myself was a behind the scenes clip of Sin City. And I made like a 3D set and put it onto the behind the scenes footage so I could have my own green screen version of Sin City anyway that's really nice. sad but there oh, you go that's not what no, um, more I, than I've ever done in my whole entire life I tell you what I like about Sin City as well they did the thing where they cast someone completely left field and Elijah Wood as um, oh god yeah he was I can't good. remember his character's name but he is vile I like uh, I thought Bruce Willis actually gave a good performance I thought he cared in that the film the last one he didn't phone it in yeah he, I don't know Bruce what Willis the last one he really didn't phone known it in for like phoning it in like lately is there apparently he gets a million dollars a day? Oh, I don't know. But apparently he, is, he does guest star he's things. Horrible. But he's horrible. He's horrible over money. He's uh, not nice to work with nowadays, I don't think. Well, anyway, in Sin City, he he does a really good performance. But more importantly, and I think Kate will have mentioned this, Mickey Rourke again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mickey, God, do you know what I mean? Really? Like, he's, Mickey Rourke's like quality. I feel like, like this you've was... You've seen The Wrestler, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. And I was about to say, I feel like this was when he was making his comeback because... What was the film we talked about? Thingy Fish with Nicolas Cage and him in it. Rumblefish. Rumblefish. Have you seen that yet? No. That's another film. Sorry, we said it multiple times. That's another film to watch. But yeah, Mickey Rook is brilliant. And yes, 
not much else to add I think though it is time to talk about probably the most controversial pairing we're going to end up overlapping between the two come what may today I think this will end up being the main focus is of course Taxi Driver but it will inevitably bleed into the chat which is about Joker but first and foremost let's chat about Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver all the animals come out at night someday a real rain will come and wash all the scum off the streets first thing I want to know is when was the first time you watched this film and what was your experience with it so I watched it when I was I think 15 or 16 because same same which would have been yeah so I'll probably watch it only a few a few years years before me yeah. yeah um I had already chosen to do film studies by this point, so my dad was really good at finding classics and picking out the the best. Your dad's of the a best. film buff, though, isn't he? he? Really You've got is. To get him yeah. on at some point, I'll be honest. My dad's watched a lot more than I have, but it, like he's he's actually on. You know, he's got the film list app and everything, and he's love it way more. Um, so I watched it, and I think I said to you before, I knew it was good, but as a teenager, it was a slow burn for me. And hundred percent. I revisited it when I was at uni before I think we were doing a thing about violence in film so we did something about uh, not Pulp Fiction uh, Reservoir Dogs Taxi Driver and something else and we looked at the reaction of audiences at the time compared to now and it's funny because like now people were just like but at the time it was oh my god this is terrible what's it inciting Um, so yeah tell me tell me more sorry so when you watched it for the first time was it again I was going to say the classic was it DVD or VHS pickup or was it you know uh, with friends it was definitely or? VHS it was, so yeah. it was definitely VHS and it was again probably I watched it around 2004 um, so we so me and my me, me and my friends we were like hardcore into films um, and we would constantly talk about films I like obsessed with De Niro back in the day because he was the the one like you would like Goodfellas like all, the all connoisseur's of, choice as well you know abso- uh, absolutely but he was like he was the I would say he is he was back then the the Leonardo DiCaprio like he was that he was that big back then he was really like he, he was the one and his body of work at that time I, I think he just before he'd done Taxi Driver he'd just come off uh, The Godfather Part 2 which he won an Oscar for um, still relatively unknown. Like in Scorsese, started using him. Like they were really close. So the, I think he he worked on Mean Streets. Um, King of Comedy was after Taxi Driver. Um, but yeah, like we. So we were just like he. Like you, it was weird when you were when you're like 15 and someone hands you this film that is supposed to be. Ah, oh, go and watch this. It's like it's one. It's this is considered one of the greatest films of all time, right? And so I'm like, yeah, cool. And he's like, oh yeah. And he's like, are oh, you talking to me? you talking to me like and he's in my mates like doing this thing and he's like he's like oh yeah so good blah blah and so like i'm expecting like i've he's shown me so many things like goodfellas i'd seen at that point and i'd seen reservoir dogs that kind of thing and i'm I'm expecting something and i and i I remember watching it and exactly the same as you i'm like god this is actually a real slow burn and the reason why was because i was 15 and i just didn't get it but I, I think you get all of the underlying themes. But if you hit back to 2004, or just in general, modern cinema, and this is why people don't get into classic cinema, I completely understand why, and I have similar feelings towards it. We are brought up on a diet of TV and now YouTube videos where... Junk are, food. Are junk food in terms of short-form entertainment for minimal attention. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's sad. That's sad because you don't... It, it very much is like uh, that popcorn culture, isn't it, now? we 
you like a, a lot of the older films like if you think of like stuff like Badlands all of those type films especially in the 70s um uh, what's the one with Dennis Hopper um oh um Easy Rider not yes. it's not Dennis Hopper is it Dennis Hopper I know I'm sure oh, I don't know if it's not, Dennis Hopper it's not, but I know I, I, yeah um anyway Super slow burn. We'll get crucified for that. I'll get crucified for that, by the way. But but also, <laughs> also to be fair, Badlands is quite a slow burn. No, that's the, yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm, it's, I'm it's, agreeing. It's, I'm saying that like Badlands is a slow burn. Mean Streets is a slow burn. And also, to be fair to my dad, like I th- I'm sure we watched some uh, Hitchcock's back in the day. And I remember the first time I watched North by Northwest, which is probably one of the fastest paced Hitchcock's. I remember being like, mm, it's quite slow. Whilst now, having watched lots of Hitchcock's, North by Northwest is probably one of the speedy ones. Do you know what I mean? But oh, it's, yeah. just, it's just yeah, expectation yeah. of what you want. But in, in you know, by 2004, I'm imagining you're still, with, let's say, compare it to films at that point. Think about Raimi's Spider-Man 1 and 2 are both out at that point. The Matrix. You think about the pace of those kind of films in comparison. Tarantino. Just even like a conversation, how, how a, um, a one-on-one scene would be cut is completely different. But before we go into any further, we haven't given an overview of what the film is about. So would you like to give us a synopsis? Oh, as usual. Okay, so the synopsis of Taxi Driver. Right, so I guess it's about a an ex-Vietnam vet. Would you say that that is... He's, he's Vietnam, isn't he? So ex-Vietnam Correct. vet, um, probably you would you, you say he's mentally unstable. Um, he works as a taxi driver in New York, hence the name of the film Taxi Driver. Um, so basically, he, he's, he's, he drives his taxi. He, he only works nights. Um, he's sick of the filth. He always he, he always refers to the city that it's filthy and it's grimy and the scum and it's a cesspool. And he essentially is yeah. It's a character study of Travis Bickle um, and shows him uh, basically a, like a, a few months in the life of Travis Bickle, like what he gets yeah. up to, um, trying to have relationships with women. Um, and the, the types of things he does, he's he, uh, he's trying to readjust to society. I think we, again, we don't outright we know he's served, but we don't outright know what's happened to him. That's kind of the mystery. But we understand that he doesn't really understand society and social situations anymore. And no, he's yeah. There's a famous he, scene where, for example, he's on a date with someone, and he takes her to a cinema, but it's a porno cinema, and he doesn't understand yeah. why that's wrong because. Again, I, I, the impression I had from that is because he's been in Vietnam where they've seen horrendous things, it's like what we talked about in Full Metal Jacket and those kind of films, that it's yeah. all about how it completely impairs them. But also the way they are trained as well before they go out there, which again was what Full Metal Jacket was about, really. But it's, he's, of, he's, I don't want to sound stupid with this, but he's almost, he's lost his connection to humanity, really. He doesn't have a friend or he has guys he works with, doesn't he, in the taxi ranks, but none of them, he doesn't really seem to, he has a whole false life. Like he tells his parents he's okay and he's doing good and he's doing this. He's had a girlfriend for six six months. He works for the... Secret Service? Something like that. I'm sure he tells him he works yeah. for like... Um, a MI- government yeah, branch. Yeah, something like that. So um, it's... it's Yeah, it, it's a difficult... It's a really hard watch because there's a reasons why you relate to his character at points, but it's uncomfortable because of where the character goes. And you said something, something really interesting before the pod in relation to Joker, which we'll go on to later, but you said to me, it's clear in the film that Travis Bickle is the bad guy and I completely agree because I think for 90% of the film I think he's a horrible person but you can't help but feel and maybe it's the old romantic in me when he tries to woo 
the um, Betsy. Not, Betsy, sorry, Sybil Shepherd. Yeah, you can see that he's pinning his hopes on that being a sense of normality and getting his life together and and working towards it. And when it goes south, you just know there's a. It's only going one way. Um, so yeah. So it's it's funny. So you mention um, him trying to obviously uh, like I guess get a girlfriend. Like he he sees Sybil Shepherd and kind of really likes her. I was doing some research on the film and stuff. Like obviously, so it's written by Paul Schrader, who is amazing, right? And and this um, this film really reminds me of another Paul Schrader film called Hardcore. So go hardcore is uh i'm sure it's 70s as well um paul schrader is also you can get it on blu-ray from um indicator brilliant film very similar to taxi driver but it follows a detective trying to locate a girl that has gone into a um prostitution ring and he is trying to find her and get her back written by paul schrader again it's and he also worms he has to worm his way into this like underbelly of i think it's new york this right. he's got a worm his way into this underbelly finds himself again in porno cinemas but he has to go because these girls are being filmed it's it the film it sounds like really it, good it could almost be a, a side hustle with um jodie foster's character so when you, you said to I mean? me yeah when we were speaking about the pairing i really wanted to pair this film with either hardcore or falling down um with michael douglas by joel schumacher um so anyone who is interested, like loves Taxi Driver, go and check out Hardcore. It's great. I've got it on Blu-ray myself. Um, Indicator. Brilliant. Um, so the thing that, yeah, as we say, um, you said, you mentioned that like, I, I said, what's the link? Like what, what, what's the link? And you were like, right. Okay. So isolation, loneliness. Yep. Cool. Agree. 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 Um, you also mentioned Antihero. And so, so I... Go for it. I, I, my interpretation of why I said anti-hero wasn't particularly because I think he's an anti-hero. It's how he's perceived by people in the film. Because right, at the okay, end okay. of the film... Cool. Uh, oh, we're jumping all over the shop here. But at the end of the film... So we all know Tax Driver is about someone taking the world... Taking taking things into their own hands. And he's doing using his army training in the wrong way. He said... He he basically kills some people who we know are bad characters, but he is still killing people, which is not okay. So yeah. he's he's become a vigilante essentially, hasn't he? However, yeah, the press label him as I can't remember what the headline hero. is. They say they but say they, like he's they say he's a hero because he he he's um what is it like school in the underbelly of New York rescues, and yeah, rescues rescued. a teenager from prostitution, yeah. which he has done. But it's the ends just to find the means argument. So I didn't see it as a heroic act because I think there are other ways he could have got Jodie Foster's character out without shooting uh, five people on the way, maybe four. So that's my take on it. But in the film, it's clear that I've forgotten at the end of the film that we have that whole pro... Um, interlude uh, not interlude what am I trying to say like after the after the shooting I kind of thought the film ended I forgot there's yeah. a whole bit and it's like hey his life's normal he's got away with this the papers yeah. all think he's great they think he's a hero and he can carry on and it kind of felt like a horror film in the aspect of he's still out there this do you know what I mean like that kind of he's still going and I thought that's quite an eerie is it thought so for me I don't know is it a is it is that what happened or is that a dream sequence because I seen that I, as a dream sequence I thought for me it's after he 
after he so he's shot in the final confrontation as well that it could be the classic he's died there and that's what he sees in his head yeah or okay. or not who knows um yeah, I don't know no, what, no. What, what, there was another I know that's in King of Comedy I'm getting confused because we've done two Tenerys oh. I'll, I'll talk to you about that later talking about things that are they there or not etc anyway what were you, so what were you, right okay cool right so there's many so the, I guess one of the things uh, I didn't understand when I was 15 years old watching this I didn't understand all of the underlying plots and all the, the underlying um, sort of influences throughout the film so one thing i looked at right so this is described by paul schrader the writer and scorsese they said this is back in uh, 1976 when when the film was made uh, they they described it as a, as a feminist film right um okay w- wait just he's making a face at me if it's his birthday i'm, intri- I'm, in, I'm intrigued where they, they've got that from but go for it so so was i intrigued but listen to this right um so it's the exploration of the confused masculine character, Travis Bickle. Uh, traffic, Travis, <laughs> traffic, Travis exhibits the Madonna whore complex. This was coined by um, Sigmund Freud. Um, so it's the inability to maintain sexual arousal within a committed loving relationship. So they see a woman as saintly as Madonna. So as a Madonna, they call them a Madonna, so Betsy. So we see Betsy, who is... Um, presidential, like all singing or dancing. The first time we see her, she arrives and she's all dressed in white, angelic figure, not tainted, right? So they they all they see them as a debased prostitute, like kind of that that whore complex. So the Madonna slash whore complex, who then we can associate with Iris, of course. Now they desire a sexual part. They desire a sexual partner who's been degraded, Iris. They can't desire a, a respected partner like a Madonna. So the relationship with like the relationship he has with Betsy, he screws it up. Not he doesn't mean to, but he screws it up. But he sees her as like the Madonna style um, from from this from this theorist. And then we see Iris, who is um, a child prostitute. She's twelve and a half years old. The now and Jodie Foster was twelve years old in the film as well. Crazy. So it's crazy. She's brilliant sister, in it as well. Her old, her older sister played the scenes that obviously she couldn't play. Um, but the the reason why I find it so Travis is basically he believes he is their like savior. It's like oh, there's a lot of like toxic masculinity like running it's, throughout. He's like, got a hero complex to him. I, I'll give him that because it's the only thing I would say with that theory. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I didn't think he ever wanted anything from iris in that way though they he wanted no he does so he wanted to rescue them both from oppression so but what's they were watched okay iris i get is oppressed how 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 is betsy yeah because she's working for this president guy who she thinks is like she's obsessed with this president so because betsy won't have him he then decides we can we can say that he decides to kill the president to get back at her because she loves the president. She thinks he's a great guy. Do you guy. know, I didn't even see it as that way. I just thought he... There's a, the scene where the, the the candidate's in the back of his tax and he's talking to him. And yeah. he goes on that proper rant of, this place is filled with filth, it's vile, it's scummy, it's, yeah. you know, it's the worst of the so worst. Cringy. And you're, you're, you're uncomfortable yourself because you know this guy means it and the the MP, about to call him MP, the, the um, candidate member 
obviously pretends that he's taking it on board, but you never really feel like he is. And I thought he gives him that wry smile when he leaves. and He's like, thank you. And he shakes his hand and what have you. But in my head, I thought he read that as this man doesn't give two hoots about me or what I think or any of this. That yeah. was my take on it, but it's interesting because yeah, like the jealousy angle, fine. But again, this is why this is why I like films. This is why because there are multiple readings, and my I, that's something I'll be honest, completely missed. And if anyone had said to me previously that Tax Driver is a feminist movie, I would have been like, how, what, when? So no, no, no. I, yeah. I, I mean, and this is what came out of Paul Schrader in Scorsese's mouth. Like, I the I certainly don't think that. The, what is what is apparent in Taxi Driver and Joker is that we definitely at some point feel sorry for both of these characters. I think that Taxi okay. Driver is a lot, lot, much better written. There's so much more depth to Travis Bickle than there is to Arthur Fleck. The way that and the way he's presented as well is a lot. Um, it's a lot clearer. I so th- I think a lot of it though is about direction and pacing. If, if someone described it as. I think it's Red Letter Media said Joker is like baby tax driver slash shorthand version. And what they mean by that is at the start of... We're, we're crossing over. I knew we would. Fisher Price. Fisher Price taxi driver. You know, that's what it is. At the start of Joker, it's like, here's the list of four bad things which are going to happen to make him turn bad. And it's like lack of funding of his mental health stuff. He gets beaten up on the street. His mum lied to him and... and Everyone uh, makes fun Everyone uh, and, makes fun of him. Oh, his hero. His hero... Uh, sorry, his hero his makes hero, a fool his, out of him. Hero makes fool out of national TV. So you get the li- the checklist of of the bad stuff. Now in Taxi Driver, it's a slow. It's two hours twenty minutes, so you get a lot of time to slow in and empathise with him. Now Joker's only two hours, and I'd say the last half an hour is him unleashing, isn't it? Pretty Taxi much. Taxi Driver's an hour and forty. I Ooh. think that maybe Dead ever was. No. Oh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway. Whatever. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, sorry, going back to it. Yeah, at points, they are relatable, but I think you were talking about the pacing and... and sorry, I was talking to you about the pacing and, and, and I just think Joker does have... Joker, I think, clips at more of a pace, but I think the attention span... I think more happens in a shorter period of time. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, But then also, the, there's a criticism of Joker, which is there's... Uh, this whole background of political unrest and whatever that's not really explored properly whilst in Taxi Driver I feel like because it what I'm trying to say it doesn't have that aspect it's more about the one person he's not for a war he's not forming a war against not terror a war against um, child prostitution or anything he's just seen one person he wants to save it's quite a oh yeah definitely it's quite a reduced mission statement if you know what I mean completely selfish almost for his own for his yeah he just thinks he yeah he just he sees someone in like thinks he's doing the right thing um there's there's very i I find and i also like what i did what i liked about the two women so you've got betsy and you've got iris they were almost like a mirror as in like they were the absolute polar opposites of each other yeah so you have like betsy who's like very pure thinks she's doing the right things um iris is the, prost- the the child prostitute. Kate Reviews Films writes in and she says, who suffers the most in Taxi Driver? So... Iris, 100%. I'm so glad you said that. Like, I'm so a- glad any person who has any other opinion on that, I just I just don't see it because I think Travis probably thinks he's he's the most affected. 
Probably. Absolutely. I think actually, people. Actually, I think people would watch this and think Travis think is the most affected. It must. No. It's hundred percent. Iris. Iris is literally run away from home essentially because it sounds like her parents. Her parents see more. Well, tell tell you what though, we don't know, do we? In the voiceover, which might be a dream, it sounds like her parents are fine. But you know, she's escaped, basically gone with this horrible guy who takes her in, calls him her girl, and he's gonna look after her. Then whores her out when she's twelve. I don't see how she's not by far the worst treated, you know, has the most going on by a country mile. I, like, I, I agree. I, I agree. Like, Kate, there's your, there's your answer. Um, I, we both can wholeheartedly agree that the 12 and a half year old child prostitute goes like is, is by far the, uh, goes through the worst time. Um, can we just say actually that um, considering sometimes when I watch films and we've talked about it multiple times, I think, especially last action hero, we talk and we'll say, oh, that child actor was really, really bad or this was awful. Jodie oh. Foster was brilliant, wasn't Absolutely. she? And she's, she's like so young in it, but she's just... She's fantastic. I don't know. She just, she genuinely comes across as real. I mean, there's a reason Jodie Foster's the star she is today, right? But she just, and she's director now as well, of course, but... She's fantastic. Mate. The problem is when we talk about old films, I feel really stupid being like Robert De Niro is fantastic. People know Robert De Niro is fantastic. I'm only, so, I'm only so adding to the list of people that said it. You said this to me. So yeah, you I, said it's embarrassing, isn't it? I, I don't think so. Like, so I said to you, um, I said to you, oh, you watched The King of Comedy. Um, what did you think? And you didn't say much. And you were like, I know this sounds really stupid, you said, but Robert De Niro is great, isn't he? And do you know what? Like, I it's don't think so it's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is. No, yeah. he is. He's and he's he's one of the reasons. What he was, he was my favorite actor for years growing up. Do you know what's I interesting that, though? I I think that I'd been lacking on some Scorsese till we'd done. We've done a fair few on the pod. Uh, like, I'll know, be honest, we have done a fair few on the pod. It's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? but I would say Raging Bull for me was the big revelation of him doing body transformation as well. Yeah. And I think oh, that's yeah. what I really, I, I'm not, I'm a bit of a sucker for this. I think we talked about this with Christian Bale, but I'm a bit of a sucker for the physical transformation with an actor really committed. The method acting. Uh, sorry, the method acting uh, yeah. situation. And I did think for Raging Bull, the transformation was genuinely incredible. And I I don't know why I have such affinity for that film. Maybe it's the black and white. Maybe it's the cinematography. Maybe it's the fact, I, I like the fact that it was a comeback film for Scorsese as well. When we understood the back behind the scenes of that story about how he'd struggled before it, he yeah. he is the comeback boxer right so uh, there's there's multiple levels to it um absolutely but, you can catch us you can catch our raging bull episode yeah um it was about episode six i don't i don't 100 know but go back and check that out paired with on the waterfront so oh um, no was it was it no it wasn't no it, no it wasn't it wasn't Ignore. it had a mention of on the waterfront but it wasn't and we did definitely didn't pair it with rocky i remember that much no carry on anyway i was gonna say before we go in any further actually one thing i haven't mentioned which i always love to mention i will gush for a few minutes is the score by bernard herman which was the last Mm. one he wrote before he died so apparently i I can't remember how true this is but i'm sure it's again this is imdb trivia folks who knows how true it is but it's it's stated that he only finished recording the sound uh the score for this film a couple of days before he died so i don't think he actually saw the film no completed way. with the score obviously he's synced sections of the film to it but it's interesting because uh the music being bernard herman 
has uh, similar notes and motifs going back all the way to those Hitchcock films uh, in the 50s with, uh, with Vertigo, etc. So there's moments of the score where I'm just getting all excited because I'm like, oh yeah, it sounds like Vertigo. I love Vertigo. I need the to score, stop it. score It's just brilliant. gorgeous. It's so good. Yeah. Um, well, I say it's gorgeous. No, it's not. It's very oppressive, but in a in a Bernard Herrmann way, it's brass rising and falling long before Hans Zimmer did the warm, warm. Uh, but it's, do you know what I mean? It, that, um, that inception, kind of the rising brass feeling to generate momentum it's doing mm-hmm. that and it's really unsettling and then it completely flips and u-turns to this uh saxophone playing and then it, it for me jamie it reminded me of um you know you like your old noirs and you got your voiceover over the top and it's like oh yeah, these yeah. filthy streets and thingy you know yeah. you got the saxophone playing and i think it is riffing off that uh and I also something so sorry anything you want to add about the score hold on I'll stop stop going over it or just not really I was I was I did so I had written down obviously it's Bernard Herrmann um, and I knew that you'd be like fully like buzzing off that um, so yeah no like I, I didn't really want to add anything it's just that the score plays throughout the whole film doesn't it and it's it's brilliant yeah I thought um, for me the music I, I'm not saying the characters got bipolar because that's not correct but he has the dark and light moments in the way that he the saxophone is when it looks like he's functioning normally but then when the really oppressive brass rises come in with the and it's the drum going and it's like when it rolls it's like an like a military march so in my head it's like him all those memories of the war again i'm probably over reading this but for me it's like that's him suppressing all those memories, all those thoughts, all those feelings. And the saxophone is like, this is how I should feel. This is what it should be like. But then he realizes actually the Western society that he's fought for is pretty crappy and he doesn't like it. And we've talked about this before with Scorsese films, but I, I don't know much about American history, but I, I've heard multiple times that in the 70s, New York wasn't the safest place or the greatest place to be. So there's a lot of films in that era about about that and reactions to that and, and the movements that were going on at the time. Well, so do you want to know a little fun fact then? So um, Bernard Herrmann's wife said that um, when Scorsese uh, called, called, the, called Bernard Herrmann to ask him to do the score... Bernard Herrmann was really famous at this point. Scorsese wasn't. Um, He refused and he says, I don't write music for car movies. Um, And then Herrmann only actually accepted after he'd read the script. Um, And then obviously, as you, as you've said, um, absolute nail on the head. He wrote the, like the, the score, the brass and stuff to punctuate the emotions of Travis. Um, So, Oh, I'm pleased just, with that reading then. I, I wasn't too far off base. That's okay. Yeah, no, no, no. I've cool. got it down for you. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. You've absolutely nailed that. Um, I did want to mention Michael Chapman on the cinematography because the cinematography in this film is, I think, is like. So there's some really interesting the kind of things now I don't expect to see in independent films in terms of the camera angles actually used on the taxi. Yeah, they're quite they're quite stu- almost there's some almost Wes Anderson shots with the centralized flame with the with the meter going you know in like there's a, a montage sequence and you see a lot of his trips. Yeah, um, and I think as well, I love the it's the lights reflecting off the the windscreen. Yeah, you know, and it shows the passages of time. And a lot of these techniques, I must say, I've forgotten the name of it again. Is it Awakening the Dead, the Nicolas Cage one? Bringing Out the Dead. Bringing Out the Dead. I'm so sorry. It's about yeah. the fourth episode where I've said the wrong thing. But 
that film had sequences where they were in the ambulance and Nick right. Cage is reacting and just like, oh my God, what's going on? This is all terrible. And on the road, there's the same shot. Do you remember? It's the, the Terminator 2 ending shot. You know, uh, the van driving down the road, but you see it from the perspective Absolutely. of the car and it's the yellow yeah. lines going underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fun story about that. Sorry, this is completely off base, but in Terminator 2, they did not know how to end the film and they wanted to lead it potentially so they could have a sequel afterwards. So they used the road shot with the Sarah Connor voiceover because they weren't sure how to end it. So no that's way. what they did. Anyway, there you go. So Ma- Michael Chapman, right? I did, I did just want to mention, I mentioned the film Hardcore earlier on. He also was a cinematographer for Hardcore um as was um the director paul schrader and writer as was the editor um tom rolf so actually written directed edited cinematography hardcore what a double bill that would be um I'll yeah twice i can part. imagine it'd be quite intense though and i must say with the pairing this week and we king a king of comedy to an extent it was like i've watched three films with three isolated males in oh, yeah. in oppressive situations who then essentially lash out well king comedy not so much but essentially people lashing out or doing really bad things and yeah after a while normally it's our link film that's a depressing one but we we went triple bill depressing this week and i was just like oh god um but, absolutely but for some reason scorsese nails male frustration do you know what I mean by that? Like that whole, you talk, you talk about toxic masculinity. I don't mean, Raging Bull is the epitome of toxic masculinity and yeah, very similar, similar themes. And, and weirdly, De Niro plays that well, you know, especially that era. He, he nails he, that. He's absolutely perfect. Um, the, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what else to... Again, really it's like s- it's when we try to comment on De Niro from... It's that it's that whole thing, isn't it? It's really hard to, to add more. Do you know that um, De Niro's girlfriend is actually, like, real real life girlfriend in Taxi Driver? She, oh, really? She plays... So the woman he tries to chat up in the porno theatre. So the way oh, it's the like... Oh, the one who's um, serving the popcorn. Yeah, and she's yeah. having none of it. That's his, and like, he has, like, was, the chocolate bar and the, yeah. and the water. Diane, <laughs> Diane Abbott, yeah. So that was actually ah, okay. his um, his girlfriend at the time. Right, um, okay. So, yeah, um, another little cool fact for you. Um, the uh, You know the coffee and pie scene? So, you know when he's eating coffee and pie with Betsy? Um, he orders uh, apple pie with melted cheese, right? So, serial killer Ed Gein. Um, Is that what he ordered? He asked the police for a slice of apple pie and melted cheese in exchange for a full confession. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, so there's a little tidbit for you. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, there you go. Um, so I would just want to go on, go on, go on. Go I was, was going to say one thing I don't think we've really talked about. I know it's going to lead in some questions, but I just wanted to talk about how did you feel in terms of I think this film, you know me, we talk about violence a lot on the pod and like what I can and can't hack. I'd, I remember Taxi Drivers being quite bloody at parts, but it's almost like the film builds up for, I thought two hours, but now I'm wrong, builds up for a long time. And then you have that release when everything goes south, right? Like a Tarantino. Like, like a Tarantino, a, yeah. You, you Almost. You, you know, oh, it's, well, it's not like a Tarantino. Tarantino's like a Scorsese. Well, yeah. Um, but it's, it's but yeah. that build up of, you know, something's not right and it's going to happen. You're waiting for it. And then when it does, it's always shocking. Like and Alien. It's the, and it's the build up. Old that, horror films. Yeah. Well, was, and obviously Joker, because that's exactly what happens. It's 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 getting to that point. It's, it's the pressure release, right? You know, pressure, 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 pressure. And then pop, off it comes. Uh, how looking back at it like how do you feel about the violence in it in terms of what it's depicting and what it's trying to say about it because 
I didn't feel it glorified it. <laughs> I think people no, sometimes no. said it glorifies it, and I thought so, quite the opposite. And I think that's where I think that's where the argument comes in between Taxi Driver and Joker, which I think is going to transition really nicely. What I'm going to say is that I think so. In terms of the violence, the re- the reason why Joker works, the reason why Joker is considered one of the greatest movies of all time, like it's an absolute masterpiece. It's you mean Taxi Driver. You've just said Joker, so I'm just correcting oh you because I, oh. I have visions of Jamie like literally getting like hate on the internet for saying the greatest film ever directed by Martin Scorsese. It's like no, um, it's not. Right, not no, no. Let's go again. So <laughs> the reason, the reason, the reason why people think Taxi Driver is one of the greatest films ever made, um, De Niro is is one of De Niro's greatest ever performances. Scorsese's like best film to a lot of people is because of the way it's delivered, like the depth of that character, the how it's presented as, yes, he is, I guess he is this, like, you do feel sorry for him, but it's certainly by the end of the film, you know he's an absolute, um, I, d- I don't know the word, the... Menace, at know, least. Yeah, <laughs> go with that, yeah. Um, he, he's just, yeah, he's, he's, not a, he's not a hero, he's not good at all. He is, yeah, well, he's, he's, he's horrendous, like, and he... And I think the re- the way it's all built up, the way it's ri- the writing is amazing. Like it feels like a real. The, I think Taxi Driver. It feels real. Like these. That's what's uncomfortable the, about it. I think the tone, the tone of Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. Right, the way tonally, it's so uncomfortable to sit and watch. And and Vicky watched it with me, and she said like all the way through, she's like, it's so uncomfortable. Like there's this, He's, there's this like v- vibe throughout the, the way film. he looks as well you feel like it's 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 so intrusive and the whole way he mean he meets betsy is, is weird he's essentially stalking her so you you know you feel uncomfortable even about that whole setup right yeah absolutely yeah, of course you do like, so even even that in inverted commas positive thing he's trying to go for is being dealt with in the wrong way i don't know i think that I think that I, as I said, it's going to be a really nice, smooth transition into the King of Comedy because um, I think that Taxi Driver and King of Comedy are—I wouldn't say similar, but they—they are. They're kind of. They're very much. You can tell they were made around the same time. The the De Niro performances in both of they are very different, but they're also like there is a the, bit of thematic thematically there's a lot of similar things, which is again, like I think Scorsese, as we've just said, hit on that niche not niche, but he just nailed into that a frustrated male in an environment where he's not succeeding or achieving what he wants to and trying to be someone else or become bigger. Like I, I think I think Travis Bickle do you think Travis Bickle was trying to become a hero though? Or do you think he just wanted to save Joe, uh, save Iris? I know. I again. No, I don't, think, I don't, he, I don't what, think he had any intention of becoming a hero. Yeah, I, I, I just think my reading of that was just he is just a, a terrible person, but trying to make the best of a bad situation. Don't agree I think with. He any genuinely of it, thought but, he was doing the right thing. Yeah, he did. But again, if he'd already decided at that point, because we get the impression he's decided to kill himself, he's because he's he's looked at it previously. You're thinking. Yeah he's got the money out of the bank he's got all that set up couldn't he go in but I don't know I suppose it's how does he leave with Iris but he's seen Iris on the streets before 
on her own. She's at that time. You only ever see. So it you makes don't see me. Her face, you see her torso. Like. Yeah, and it made me think. You know, could he not have just? But then he, ironically, it all leads back to that scene where on an evening, Iris tries to get in his taxi, but it's forced away by her pimp, right? But essentially... He sees that as a rescue attempt. So yeah, but what I'm saying is... based on a Western. It's it, Essentially, though, if he'd have just, at that point, driven off with her in the taxi, then he would have been far more heroic, really. He would have done far less wrong and taken her away. But I suppose um, it's what happens next. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So there is the scene where she tries to get the taxi in with him and then he ignores it because he's so just kind of wiped by this whole situation of how terrible everything is. He's not phased by it. And then it all builds and he frustrates and obsesses because he thinks afterwards that he shouldn't have done that. He should have reacted and helped her because he sees it with the black eye. But essentially, if he was a good character or a hero, what he should have done, obviously, is at that point say, uh, you know, sort that guy out or just get her in the car and drive her away I don't know it's, like hindsight's it, a wonderful thing as well well I find I find it funny because Joker and well Arthur Fleck and and Bickle they're both rejected um, I hate using the word society now because of all that they're both rejected by society like Bickle talks about like the filth um, the scum of New York but then he's visiting porn theatres right Um he talks about eating healthy, like instead of eating junk food, he's always drinking and taking loads of pills. It's very much like he's a contradiction to himself. I think it's just an, I, at this point, I just think it's an excuse for him to to do something bad. Like he's he knows what he's doing. He, I think he's just been adjusted for the for theatre, as they say, and and he's not adjusting when he's back, and he wants to find a cause for him to take for him to be able to take action. And it, as you said, an excuse. Yeah. I think right. we should probably get on to... We're already dipping into Joker. We've got a lot to say about Joker as so, well, to be honest. So and it's going to pretty much be a 50-50, a, I think. And just to note that, um, we... I did watch King Comedy 2, so we will end up referencing it, but w- the Link yeah. film is Joker specifically, so King Comedy will get a mention, but it won't be The King Comedy will get a mention because it's been completely ripped off, and so is, Travis, and so is Taxi Driver, so... Before we um, go any further, then... Let's introduce Todd Phillips, Joker. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. I was going to do, do the I dance to... for you on the cam there. You know, the Joker. Wah, wah. Oh, yes. Wah, wah. Very, very I do good. absolutely love that. Not the, the Tai Chi not... kind of, you know, really yeah. slow on he does before he goes on stage in front of the curtain. So before we go any further, when you first watched this, you've told me previously that you absolutely loved it. Then so some, in cinema. Someone said it. to you, hey, here's a film. It's called King Comedy. It's very similar. You should watch it. And at the time, I remember saying to you, I was thinking more about Taxi Driver. I hadn't watched King of Comedy. So give me your initial impressions and then let's say how you felt after watching King of Comedy and then I think we can have a chat about what it means and how it sits and imitation slash yes. Okay. Um, Okay. So I watched Joker in the cinema. I... I'd heard good things. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I really, I really loved it. I thought, but there's a, there's a lot, of, there's a reasons why I loved it. Um, obviously, the main one being 
Joaquin Phoenix's performance, right? Um, and the score. So Joaquin Phoenix's performance, the score equals fantastic film. Um, we've not seen Joker presented this way before, really. I For a comic book film, which is what it is, that's what it is. Um, but it's pre- trying to present itself as something a lot smarter. If King of Comedy and Taxi Driver never existed, this would be a far, far better film. But it would not exist if it was not for Taxi Driver exist. or King of yeah. Comedy. Um, take Joaquin Phoenix away and replace him with someone else. And this doesn't work. Now... I don't think that's an unfair thing. I think my when I first saw it, I absolutely adored it. I'm not going to lie. I, I came out of it just thinking, DC have done something so good here. Now, we all know initially this was approached, uh, the script was given to Scorsese and they wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to score. Uh, sorry, to score, to star, right? That was the, do you, do you remember the talk around that at the time? That was the big, the big rumour mill that was kicking in. It didn't work because of the timings, which was uh, DiCaprio was doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so he wasn't free. And De Niro was actually filming for The Irishman, which is also why Scorsese wasn't free. But then De Niro was free enough to do the, um, I've forgotten his name, what's his character called, the the talk show host? Murray. Murray. Murray Walker. uh, Murray Murray Walker. (laughs) No, No, that's that's a BBC commentator. I'm so sorry. And it's go, go, go. He's got F1 (laughs) on the brain. Um, It's Murray Franklin. (laughs) Okay, there we go. So So I watched King of Comedy only last week for the first time. And Jamie described to me as if you watch King of Comedy, then you watch Joker... You won't find it ruins the film, but it may cheapen the experience. And I thought that was a really good way of putting it. Now, there are a, oh, hell, of, there are a hell of a lot of similarities between Taxi Driver and um, King of Comedy and Joker. But I think it's lazy to write it off on the basis of it being similar to those films for a few reasons. I said to Jamie that 90% of audience members who saw Joker, by the way, Joker had 60 million budget and made over 1 billion back. So it was an absolute, you know. Was it the highest grossing comic book film? Highest greatest Endgame. I think it was the highest, potentially the highest grossest R rated film. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I I believe it still is. I don't know if that's changed. So I think 90% of people who went to watch Joker, there's people who don't even like superheroes who like the Joker. It's just one of those characters that always has an appeal. Definitely more of a drama, isn't it? Than yeah. a superhero film. Oh, you wouldn't but, call it a, a superhero no, film. No, and that's why, you know, um, I went with my cousin Peter, who hadn't been to the cinema in about four years, has no interest in Batman and that kind of thing at all, really. But he heard Joaquin Phoenix playing a serious character in a Scorsese-esque film. Let's go and see it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So I think... Sorry, the point here being is a lot of people won't have watched King of Comedy. They may have watched Taxi Driver. And I I took this as someone trying to update those things and present it in a comic book fashion to make it palatable for an audience to go into with modern day pacing, etc. Now, people may disagree with that and that's absolutely fine. And I can't say that there aren't heavy influences. It's obvious there are. But it's the classic, like, oh, uh, Avatar is just um, oh, uh, Dancing with the Wolves, right? That's That was always the argument labelled yeah. at that. Yeah. And it's true, but I don't think that completely disregards the entire film. Now, I, the way I look at it is this. There's things that I think 
uh, Joker does really well and there's things I don't think it does well so here's an argument I heard I'd love to hear your thoughts on it Jamie I was told that I was told I watched a video about the idea of what's the actual reason for Joker being set in the 70s aside from it looking like a Scorsese film from the 70s what's the actual point I think that's a really fair criticism like what's the idea behind it so let's say X-Men First Class that was set in the 60s because they wanted a young Charles Xavier to fit into the films in the 2000s so it was an appropriate age gap yeah for Joker it would only work really with Keaton's Batman but that's not but it like timing wise that was 89 but it still doesn't really make any sense what why why do you believe it was set in that time do you think there's any point to it aside from it then looking like a Scorsese film this, that, that why do I think that Joker was set in the 70s because Todd Phillips like as you so, so you showed me a clip you showed me a clip so I, I was pretty ranting and raving about this because as I said super like watching the king watching king of comedy which is a 10 out of 10 film i don't really give 10 out of 10s but for everyone out there it's a 10 out of 10 film right it's, it's fantastic for me when i'd seen that i was like oh god that is like an actual like he's lifted it and put it in his own film like with worse writing and so i honestly think that there is a point and so patro in and he says at what point does homage become um, what's the words? Pla- plagiarism, imitation, like oh, plagiarism. Well, sorry, yeah. Okay, here's here's my thing. I've I've literally just come off watching Joker. I've watched it today, about two hours before we've done the podcast. My honest reading was this: I thought there was enough, just just enough to differentiate it from those two things. And the reason I say that is because the Joker his whole thing isn't about becoming a comedian. I think he, like, it is, but it isn't. For me, it wasn't the central point of the film. The point of the film was about how crap his life was and showing, like, how society's let him down. And what made people feel so uncomfortable about Joker in the reception at the time was people didn't like the fact they could relate to him. People don't want to relate to a character who then goes round and kills people. And so this is when, right, okay, so um, there's a couple of questions, right? The, so for me to answer your question, the reason why it's set in the 70s is because King of Comedy and Taxi Driver is, that's why. And I agree, and I think that is a fair criticism of of Todd Phillips there. What I don't think is fair, though, is there's a lot of things like, there's the themes of the stairs. So you know in the film, Joker's struggling, so when he's Arthur Fleck, he's struggling up the stairs and his life's crap. Yep. And all those kind of things. And then later in the film those uh, the stairs when he's coming down and he's become the joker he's in the full makeup what song's playing oh gary glitter track which caused right controversy. so it's a gary gary glitter now, track was that done a on, convicted pedophile was that done on purpose or not absolutely you, done on purpose do you think it was feel, okay yeah of course i do okay you you don't i don't think i don't think you go out and choose a song from a convicted pedophile to, to because you like the song yeah. because you just find a different song. Do you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. give me a, I ain't I ain't going down and choosing lost profits. Like, no, yeah, no, it's, just well, not it's, it's, it's a similar thing, isn't it? I suppose. But my it's point, exactly the no, it's exactly the same. The thing point I was going to make though was the staircase then becomes a symbol of he is descent into his madness. Descent into madness because he's dancing on the stairs, going down the stairs. Then he's running away from the police down right. the stairs, and then he's in the film studio. And then the it, reason you know, why. 
that song was chosen, I believe, is to make you feel uncomfortable. Does it work? Yeah, yes. So, okay, like that. That's fine. I, I think that um, that is a it's a it's a it's a it's a good choice for what he was trying to achieve. But what 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 we're missing though? Sorry, we're nailing away from the question. The point of the question is though, um, is is um, in the way I've interpreted that question is is there enough separated in this film to make it stand alone? And I, I honestly do believe there is. And I've watched know? all three in the space of seven days. Okay. And I and I I've tried really hard to kind of see it as. Do you know who gets criticised you know. for this a lot? Loads. Um, Quentin Tarantino. So he gets criticised all the time. People call him a hack, and they call they've called Todd Phillips a hack as well. Like because he's, like I think Tarantino does. There's um, the amount of times the the, the he scene copies in, sequences and yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing. However, I w- he is very original. Like far, it's far more original. But the the, the, di- the differences between the two is, and this is why I said to you, the critical question is why is this based in the seventies? Quentin Tarantino, when he copies something, he doesn't copy it; he builds on it. So it's like here's yeah. the audience expectation of how this plays out. This is how I'm going to make it play out. So it's like not here's a western. It's like what if a western was ultra violent? And by the way, let's tell a story about um, you know um, what am I trying to say? The um, the slave trade in the 1800s uh, yeah, yeah, later, yeah. but yeah, yeah. you know who'd have thought that would be the you know the vehicle for Jamie Fox to be Django? You know, so that's what Tarantino does. The problem is with Joker is why is it based in the 70s and we, uh, we basically established to look like a Scorsese film of that era and it doesn't build on that enough and that's the frustration. For me, that film could be set now and have the same effect. I don't think it has to be set in the 70s. But is it a case, though, because of the political undercurrents of the film that they felt it had to be set in a, in a previous time period to not get more criticism? That's the only other but thing I did you've think. Got the pol- so you've got the political undercurrent of... And, and and this is where my problem begins. So at what point does homage become imitation? Right. So for me, um the the he's put it in there's a there's a presidential campaign going on in Joker. There is which is from Taxi Driver, there is a It's the Tom Thomas Wayne is essentially portrayed like Donald Trump as well. Was yeah. the was the argument at the time, and it feels like a long time ago now. But at that point, Donald Trump was the president of the United States, so there was a lot of yeah. conversation about that. You've got Murray Franklin on the talk show, just like the talk show on King of Comedy, right? So you've got those two running alongside each other. You've then got the obsessive relationship um, Travis Bickle has with uh, Betsy. Um, you then have the obsessive relationship that Arthur Fleck has with um, oh, what's the lady's name? I cannot remember for the life of me. But what I was going to say is, you know, it built on those two because it had kind of that fight club element of I've got a friend who's not actually my friend. But yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was great. I like that. Uh, do you know what I, I like that? Do you know what I what really annoys me when I watch Joker? It's the one thing that really annoys me, apart from the fact that yes, it is very similar with aspects. But that sequence, we know when he sat in her apartment and she said, you need to leave, my daughter's asleep, your name's Arthur, right? Yeah. We as an audience know that all the things we've seen previously are not real. But the yeah. film decides to like whip pan over to all those bits and show us that he's actually thinking. Now, do you know what? I'm saying that, but it happens in Fight Club as well. So maybe I should maybe I should hold back on that because I I love Fight Club. But well, for me so a- in Joker, I don't know why, but it just felt like oh god, like all right, I, I just 
I knew I, I didn't need that. I thought the film wasn't, it didn't treat you, the audience with intelligence. It felt the need to show it that way rather than actually yeah. kind of give you a bit of faith. You, yeah. you understand what's going on. That's all I meant. So you've, so her name's Sophie, sorry, this, this love interest that he, well, this love interest he makes up in his head. Um, the only thing, so with that as well, again, she puts her finger to her head and she does that like and pretends which exactly of course the same is thing. taxi driver yeah so that is so that is a homage because that, that is a homage because we know like that is a homage but the i think that the the point i'm making is that everything else is like he hijacks murray franklin's show just like he does in king of comedy it's like there's so many elements that it's to the point of where like it's just too much for me for me personally it's just too much good film enjoyed it do you know what then too much we've had that chat about why it's similar let's talk about the positives of what's really good about it one the fact dc went and made a ballsy move for something like that which is like a standalone thing i think is incredible i think you know i i've slated dc on multiple and warner brothers sorry multiple times for things they release so i think credit where credit's due i really like obvious statements of the day Joaquin Phoenix is incredible in this film. And like, I, he, in most things, isn't he? Yeah. But his transformation, his body, there's a scene where he's untying the boots and he's shirtless oh God, and, he, yeah. and he contorts his body in he, such he a does, way. Yeah. And it's it's horrible. And the scene where he gets in the fridge because he's just fed up and he just wants to like shut, 52, shut the world out. Yeah, 52 pound weight loss. Yeah, incredible. And also, Jamie's touched on it, the score for this film is hauntingly gorgeous like it's uh, it sounds like a cello but I don't think it is I think it's more an electronic instrument that's used throughout Um, and he has a theme which plays out key moments so the first time he has the revelation of about his childhood excuse me the first time after um, the killing on the train and he goes to the bathroom to kind of clean up and he ends up doing as I joked with Jamie about the start of the pod this Tai Chi dance and it's him meditating or kind of coming to terms and to calm himself down and when he does the dance this this really somber uh, solo plays over him doesn't it each time and it happens throughout the film and by the end of the film it builds because he's got a whole crowd behind him because they think he's the leader of this movement um and yet, interesting though. Uh, so those, sorry, those are two things I really like about the film. I also love Robert De Niro in it, just because the fact Robert De Niro is obviously harking back to a character he's previously played, which we yep. can we can look at that either way from what we've just said. Now, here's here's something which I did find. This this could be a criticism at Todd Phillips. You know, when you watch The Hangover, have you have you watched The Hangover? Right? Have you seen it? Yep, the first, I've seen the first two. So you know, in the first one. It's kind of really random at the end. They're just like, oh, he was on the roof all along. And it's not, it's really quite lazy. And someone described Joker kind of has that vibe to it. And I thought that was overly harsh. But then someone raised a valid point, which is the, it seems quite abrupt when he has the first killing. He has bad things happen to him, but it seems quite abrupt. But I kind of took that, that was kind of the point because of his mental condition and because he's been let down by the state. So he's seeing a psychologist and she can no longer see him anymore and he, they're not going to pay for his medication. So the film for me is talking about actually the the importance of the state and how the states let him down. I don't know if you agree with that. And then that's what's led to I his... Do, I do agree with that. I, th- I think that... Uh, it's I about the importance that... of mental health and, and maintenance. It was the way I, I read it, to be honest, rather than glorifying anything. But I can I can yeah. also see why people went, oh my God, this is, this is you know, uh, uh, 
not idolizing violence what i'm trying to say like glorifying it i don't people sympathize with arthur till that point when he cracks people don't sympathize people sympathize with the downfall but i don't think they sympathize with his actions afterwards and i think you could say the same with travis bickle i think you sympathize with the fact he wants to help iris i don't sympathize with the fact he's then gone and shot five people even though they're crappy people and also the people in joker they're <sighs> how how at that point we haven't got a particularly great reading on them they're, they're horrible people in the sense of like they are hor- they're being vile to that woman on the train of course they are but yeah is that worth the death penalty no yeah you know so like I, there's I have, levels had, yeah i've had this conversation so with so the way i when he's on the train right he is on the train and he's got this laugh so we've not even told we've not even told you Sorry, of Joker. Do you know Hilarious. what? Hilarious. Sorry, we're, we're like so into the debate with is it or isn't it a homage? So yeah, here's, your, here's your synopsis. 20 minutes too late. Oh, he's, 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 he's passed over to me. Right, so um, Arthur Fleck, who is uh, Joker, he is obviously a, a troubled human being, um, mentally unstable, um, and essentially he is a clown during the day and he's kind of advertising for people we see lots of things happen to him, so he, he gets beaten up, he's bullied, he doesn't connect with anyone, any of his any of his co-workers. He is he's visiting a a woman who is helping him with his mental health. Um and she's like basically giving him medicine, um, so he's medicated. And then we kind kind of slowly see him like this this medication the next time he goes to visit her, like it gets taken away. Um, so the funding has been cut for it. So essentially then we see the societies let him down in a way, like we feel really sorry for him. And then his descent into madness, he wants to be a stand-up comedian. He's desperate to be a stand-up comedian. So he's always writing these jokes that aren't very good. Um, and he's, he's got this, again, like this haunting laugh um, it, that just comes out when he's, whenever he's nervous or whenever he's um, unhappy. He carries a card with him, doesn't he, which says, uh, I have a condition. And I think that's one thing Joaquin Phoenix really hit hit on um, hit on something with, which the idea of treating the laugh as a physical ailment rather than actually being uh, like... Uh, yeah, he's, yeah well, There's a horrible scene where he finds out that his adoptive mother, his whole life's a lie... We find out that he was abused as a child by his mother and by his by her one of her partners, and she's delusional and thinks Thomas Wayne is his father. So yeah, yeah. there's a scene where he finds this out, and he's on the stairs reading her medical records, and he's found out for the first time that he's adopted, and he should be breaking down crying, but because he can't cope with emotion, he laughs when he's overwhelmed. Yeah, and he laughs, and it's a really horrible haunting scene he by the way he's done horrible things by this point in the film so we're still we're not happy with him but you are you can't help but feel for the fact that he has obviously had a terrible terrible life which has brought him to this point and this is why i think people were so uncomfortable with it when it released because i think people didn't like the fact that it was sympathizing with someone in this state of mind i think that scares people i i think people like to know from marvel films and co you have a good person and you have a bad person. And then right. in um, Joaquin Phoenix was asked multiple times, do you sympathise with Arthur Fleck? And he tried so hard to never get dragged into it because he knew it was just like, you know, political wildfire. Yep. And he raised a valid point, which is an audience can take away from it whatever they want and, you know, all those things. And my takeaway from it honestly was you understand why he became who he became 
but it doesn't justify what's happened at any point. No one's saying Joker's a good person, but we we can see the path and we're upset by he the fact he's let down by society at every level. So child protection haven't helped him early on in his life and he's been abused. Later down the line when he's had the mental issues, he's not been helped because they've cut his medication, his services and his depression and the way that, you know, he says, I've never been happy in my life for a single day. You can't help but feel for a character who says that, no matter how terrible they are. Right. But the tipping point is the violence afterwards. And that's so that's my takeaway. Uh, but well, before I just didn't want to, I didn't want you to get too far into that because um, Emma writes in to our email address, movies in a pod show at gmail.com, just like you can. And she says, there was a lot of press around Joker inciting violence or glorifying violence. Do you think this is a real thing? Should certain things not be shown on screen as they could have dangerous messages? Would you like, and you've just said a lot there. So, um, so the, the film, so my perception of the film, I hadn't, I did see a lot of that when the film came out. Everyone was like, everyone, a lot of people were quite upset with it. Now, we, I'm going to get quite deep here because the thing that, as, I've, as I always say on the podcast, I never want to shy away from important questions, issues. So here goes, right? I never used to think that these types of things like shown on screen should be responsible for or or a blame game, like something for someone to blame when they do something bad. But when I, when the more I read into this and stuff, when I see Joker... When I see his mental health issues, when I see him getting bullied, when I see Murray Franklin, his hero, his hero, show a video of him and destroy his dream, when I see um, all of the bad things like him not connecting with people, etc., 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 and then him descend into madness, riot with people, incite violence, and at the end it shows us this this scene of him dancing Dancing. on a car, blood, smile, like a big smile, really cool shot, like he looked really cool. Would that tip, and and let's get into it, America has a massive problem with school shootings. Would that tip someone over the edge, right, that has those kind of thoughts, right? Could they watch this film and be influenced? Could a 14-year-old watch this film and be influenced? Absolutely, actually, like, and... I've never thought of it like that before. I mean, is it I'm... an 18? It's R-rated, right? It's an 18. Yeah, yeah. So people shouldn't be watching it. But they will. But does, they do. does me... But they will. But they do. I have... I've, I watched Robocop at the age of 10, probably. Yeah. Luckily, I was in... Uh, well, I'm, luckily, I, I don't suffer from that kind of thing. And I was... And I've had a decent upbringing, etc., etc. But could something like and and there has been things that have happened in the past, which I definitely won't go into, that have that have like films have been the blame, and people have copied films and done terrible things to people. So, well, let's just say Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver at the time people went mad in the seventies because people there was a copycat similar thing to what had happened in the film. There you go. So you know, it's this is an age old time question: is does the media or does a film? influence somebody enough to carry out certain actions i would say unfortunately yes they do but that's not to say everybody there will always be that That 0.01 or whatever it may be yeah my argument against it was that look how many slasher films there are 
Like, do you know what I mean? And Such I a personally have a very killers. strong feeling about those. Yeah. Which we've and, talked about on the pod. Yeah. Like, and e- even, even like revenge movies, you know. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. so someone said to me earlier on, uh, they said, a direct, uh, I don't want to misquote them, a director has a responsibility to present things in a certain way. Now, after me saying all that and like getting really deep, but I think it's really important and this is why I want people to listen to us because I think it's, we will tackle it. And and I'm not saying that we're always right either because people could be like, Jamie, what are you on about? Like that is, I completely disagree. What I would say on the other hand, so I'm contradicting myself a little bit, is I would say that a director, everyone should have creative freedom and they should be allowed to do what they want. And it's it's choice whether you watch it or not. Simple. I think a lot of it comes down to the tone though. And what people didn't like about Joker was, again, it's got the Scorsese air of being realistic. His, so, funding, his funding got cut for mental health, right? Yeah. Which kind of, and, and on top of every one of those things, yeah. t- turned him... But the, like, the, 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 what, I'm, what I'm saying is though, I think people can cope with violence in films that are hyper-stylized, but what they can't cope with is yeah, when, agree, it's, agree. when it's more like... If you make a slasher, there's the rules of the slasher. And I think part of the reason there's the rules of the slasher is because people then understand it's like not a fairy tale. It's a twisted... Do you know what I mean? There's a twisted kind of logic to it all. Yeah. And that's why it works. Well, look, at how me, Tarantino, yeah, or, look at how Tarantino presented Manson. Yes. And it's okay. Look how he presented Hitler well, in Inglourious Bastards. We said this. Bastards. We had this debate at the time. Is it okay? Because I still can't stand that sequence at the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It really <laughs> is. It. No, it's it's not for me at all. And they say, oh, he's on acid or whatever. But, you know, he beats the living hell out of that woman. But anyway, it's such a hard debate. I don't think we've, honestly, like no matter what we say today, I don't think we're going to fully answer it. But what I would say is this. I just, I when I watch Joker... I thought it did the opposite, much like Taxi Driver. I thought it displayed the violence in a negative enough way so you understood that it wasn't the right thing. For me, the melancholic music that plays when he danced on the car is showing how he's been failed by society. But that was my reading. But unfortunately, as we've said... It's an excuse for what he's done. Is it it an excuse for what he's done? Do you know what? That's a good point. That could could be a viewpoint. But me personally, because that's that's what you're asking me, like, how did I feel about it? I personally didn't see that. Nor did I. I, Nor did I. I was playing playing devil's devil's advocate. But on the flip side of that, I'm sure there are people who unfortunately (laughs) probably could relate to it and might, might feel differently. Which is... I think it... But is, you know, is that a director's responsibility? I don't know. At the end of the day, it is fiction. This isn't real. This isn't someone who's, do you know, it, it's, it's, it's so hard, isn't it? I've, I feel like, I kind of feel like this is one of those debates where whatever I say is wrong. So I can only say what I took from it when I saw it and what I took from it. And that's what the, we should, we should be yeah. telling. And, and we, I say we should be, and that's what we, we are, are saying. saying the truth. Yeah. We're saying what we think. Um, I don't care what anyone else thinks. This is what I think. Um, but I, me being Mr. Optimist, because you know, you know me in the way I like how I, I like things. I, I I thought that it wasn't an excuse what you're saying about how he's been failed by society. But I thought the point was it showed the points in the road where he could and should have been helped. I I think the point we it was feel making, so sorry for him. Yes, I thought it we ma- really do feel more sorry for him than we do Travis Bickle. That's yeah, why people. That's why people the, felt that's uncomfortable. Why one film is a ten out of ten. The other one is for me a solid. 
eight, eight out of ten now, seven and a half. I was going to say, to be honest, seven or seven and a half uh, out of ten. But I, I, th- I think, yeah, I think I understand why people felt uncomfortable because you don't want to relate to people doing those things. But as I said, you relate with him to a point. And there's a really sad bit when he's talking to his um, doctor. What, what is she? Mental health worker? I thought she was a psychologist, but I don't... Yeah, there you go. I, I'm yeah, not yeah, sure I'll if go she with is. That. No, no, yeah. I'll run with that. That's fine. He says to her, I need to up my medication. And she's like, well, but you're already like taking blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I just don't want to feel so bad anymore. Yeah, and it's, it's that, horrible. And that, that's the issue with the film is that it makes us feel so, so sorry for him that it almost... <laughs> People say it almost justifies what he does. And um, and as I said to you, I remember walking out of the cinema and I, I had this debate with uh, Peter. We were talking about the film. And I said, I, I and as we've just said, we understand why people thought that. And I think that's what made people so uncomfortable. Really, really did. But I think people had that exact debate about Taxi Driver in the 70s. I know they did. I, I spoke to you. I was there. So, I know they no, did. No, I was there no, in no. the seventies. So on, I told you. So no, on, on Saturday night, classic. When when we went out for my birthday, I was supposed to bring Jamie a book, and it's a BFI classic book, looking into the reading of. It would have. It would have got lost. W- w- yeah, would have. <laughs> yeah, would have got lost. Would have been very helpful for the pod. Um, it would have one hundred percent got lost. <laughs> but um, it was all about tax driver, the reading of it, and. and Events that happen around the film. We're talking about inspiring events. Events that happen. I still want to. I still want to borrow it. By the yeah, way, you're more than welcome to. And um, yeah, it's interesting at that point, they were having these discussions and it's important these discussions I had as well. Let's be honest, like, <laughs> you I know? Think, I think it's really, really interesting to be perfectly honest. Like the, the this discussion we've just had now, super important. We've never had it before. Like, and I hope other people find it important. I must say like, I hope, I hope I've given the most honest account I can of my feelings, so I hope that hasn't offended anybody in any way. It's just that was oh, my, that was. Don't worry no, about no, that. No, 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 <laughs> I don't no. Think it will have, like... I just want to say that that was my reading on it, and that's that's all I can say. I think as long as we have always been fair and honest in our assessment of things, and we usually say it how it is. But I, that's how I saw it at the time. And if you guys didn't like. Again, feel free. If you did, it's tough because you've got your own interpretation. No, no, I was going to say, if not, like, feel free to email in and tell us and talk about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, do do that as well. We'll Bring it up on next show. People very rarely actually come back and and, like counter what we've said on an episode in the next post. Like, we're more than happy to follow up and revisit these things. Like, that's absolutely fine. We can only assume that you all agree with us and <laughs> if, we're always if we, right. If we don't hear otherwise. So sorry, uh, we should probably go on to another question before I rotate it again. Well, I'm gonna, I have got another question, but I just wanted to mention um, two things. Did you see the part where, so in the film, in our in the film, Arthur Fleck is, he's doing an, ah, another nice, a really nice thing. He's entertaining children. Um, so he's at a children's hospital entertaining children. Another reason we should feel sympathised with him because he's doing really nice things. And he drops his gun. Um, oh, silly Arthur. Drops his gun in the children's hospital. Um, so he then, obviously, he gets he gets uh, fired for that. And he's on the phone in a phone box. Did you see, they mention at the beginning of the film about giant rats. There is a giant rat that yes. runs around the corner. Yeah. I missed it, but then Vicky pointed it out. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I the thing to tell you what annoyed me with with that whole thing though is and this is why again, sorry, we end up going back to the question with relating to him. Because the fact the guy who gave him the gun knew he shouldn't have one. 
And Arthur actually tried to decline it the first time, and he? he said, you know I'm not allowed a gun, blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of forced upon him. He obviously still takes it. But do, do you know what I'm trying to say? So it's another turning point where you're thinking, why is someone who obviously knows that he's got issues forcing that on him? Do you know what I'm saying? So it's another another yeah. person letting him down. Anyway, let's stop rotating on right. points. So All another good. question. We've got last question. Mm-hmm. Last question show. How long are we running? Uh, eight, uh, eight to nine minutes. We're doing very well. Look at us. 89 minutes. We are getting the... better at being condensed, guys, because we know you don't like the super long ones. Or maybe we're just very shallow and we're, maybe we can't be bothered anymore. No, that's, that's not <laughs> right. So uh, last question of the show. Um, Patch writes in again, which is all good because we love him. Uh, and he says... Um, right who is your favourite who do you think the best Joker is also feel free to reference my hot take about Joaquin Phoenix being the best version so the reason why Patch thinks Joaquin Phoenix is the best version is because of how well he presents Arthur Fleck as well but my argument to you Patch would be that not really any other Joker has had the opportunity to show you their Arthur Fleck apart from Jack Nicholson can I just say as well there is a debate that Joaquin Phoenix's Joker isn't actually the Joker. It depends how you see it, because they've already said that there's not going to be a Batman film with him as the Joker. The idea is, in Robert Pattinson one, he inspires the wave of people that wear the clown faces and the Joker comes from that. I know that's been really nitpicky, but I, I, I've seen people basically say that, although he... Do you, do you know what I'm trying to say? So he's Joker, but he's not yeah. Joker? I don't know. Anyway do you want me to go first do you want to go first or should we let's let's bounce let's bounce off each other let's go for it okay so okay cool Caesar and Mario right. how do you feel about Caesar and Mario old school jokers that 60s Batman 60s joker um, with his moustache because he can't be arsed <laughs> yeah fine like fine his laugh's amazing like but he's kind of like uh, least favourite I'm gonna go with least favourite but I love his tier. his laugh like is proper what's the word like uh, tyrannical no what am I trying to say? You know when it's oh, just it? like... I'll try and insert a sound clip here if I don't. Rubbish editing. Uh, there you go. You're weak as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. Giving himself more work. <laughs> Nicholson's Joker. How did you... What? How do you rate him? I think Nicholson's Joker is really good. But it's been... It's also been a very long time since I've seen... I think he's a bit gangster, though. It's a bit 50s gangster. It's that weird Tim Burton thing where it's in modern day, but for some reason it's the 1950s at the same time. You know? Yeah, I I mean, I guess so. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Do you know what? It's obviously going to be out of... It's going to obviously be out of two, isn't it? So... You're obviously talking about Jared Leto's Fantastics. Oh no, sorry, I forgot about him. Suicide Squad appearance. Uh, so, so honestly, least favorite, least Jared Leto, least favorite. Can I just say, when I watched Suicide Squad and everyone's hating Jared Leto's Joker, I just thought he was trying to do something different. I'm not saying I love it, by the way, but I just thought after Heath Ledger, what could you do? Now I get what I said. Then we have Joaquin Phoenix. I suppose we saw what you can do, but. Um, I thought Jared Leto was like if there's a modern rapper slash he's got the Marilyn well we probably can't say this anymore but he did look like something out of Marilyn Manson music video right with the teeth and the grills and, and the oh, and the tats yeah it just and, wasn't good was it mm, but I I don't know um, I didn't hate that joke I just felt like we never really saw it properly we saw six minutes of it I mean and by the way guys release the air cut I'm going to be that guy 
<laughs> so Dave, Dave, I sent Jamie an article this week about Dave, um, uh, David Ayer saying that the, the supposed director's cut on the Blu-ray is not a director's cut whatsoever. It's an extended version of the studio version of the film. I would love to see David Ayer's cut of Suicide Squad because there's a hot, hell of a lot of backstory between Harley Quinn and Joker, which was missing, which would have been really interesting. And it was all far less supernatural. Anyway, off topic. <sighs> Is it basically you're asking me is Joaquin Phoenix or Heath Ledger the best Joker, aren't you? For me, yeah. It, uh, <sighs> no, no, no. What about Mark Hamill? Okay, uh, voice what for voice acting stuff? Yeah, right. Mark Hamill's amazing, but I've never. I'm okay. I'm being. I'm being a dick. I'm. I'm only going for people who are have portrayed it on screen, not in animation. I don't want to get into the Mark Hamill things. I think Mark Hamill is probably the best one, isn't he? Because he's done it for the longest and gets that his voice for it is incredible. But in terms yeah. of seeing the whole performance, for me, I like Heath Ledger because he was a true anarchist. So the scene that everyone always references, you know, some some men just want to watch the world burn. He burns that pile of money and you just think like this guy is absolutely off his rocker. Like he, there is no motive that we can relate to for what he's doing. He is just gone. Did we say... Do we say that because, and I'm, this is again, I'm playing devil's advocate. Do we say that because we think The Dark Knight's the best Batman film, but it's not because it's Batman Returns? Um, but do we say that? Um... <laughs> Sorry, I was just considering that. Uh, I think the reason it is the best Batman film, and largely, is Heath Ledger. I, I do you know what? Watching back The Dark Knight, here's a controversial thing: the Two Face thing annoys me in The Dark Knight. I dislike the fact that. Um, of all the things Christopher Nolan did... Oh, it's bad, isn't it? It's the... Oh, no, I was just going to say, the fact he was so into practical stuff, I'm still staggered he used a half CG face. That was so... It looks a bit the yeah. mummy. Oh, yeah. And when uh, I watched the film... So, oh. I, I rewatched it with Harry... Well, this is a few years ago now, but when Harry and I rewatched it, I remember she said, oh, I forgot this bit. And it's like, you always oh, remember God. the fairy sequence, the bit with the Joker, the really good lorry sequence, and you kind yeah. of forget that last 20 minutes when it's like, oh, like... The scene, the scene where he becomes Two Face and the Rachel, Rachel, and his face is burning off. Um, like that's a really good impression, by the way. I hope it's a great impression. Yeah, but is, <laughs> well that, done, mate. that scene is like genuinely amazing. I love it. But as soon as he's in that hospital and afterwards, I'm like, Christopher Nolan loves practical effects. Who convinced him to not do that? And it very, and very it's weird. It's too supernatural and takes me away from it. But anyway, going off topic. For me, it's probably still Heath Ledger. Simply, however. Joaquin Phoenix gets is two hours of doing it. If I had a two-hour movie, which I know will never happen, a two-hour movie of just Heath Ledger's Joker and how he became like he is, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe we'd judge him even better than he was. But the thing with with Heath Ledger's Joker is you didn't know. He gave four, three or four different backstories of how he got the scars. One with like his wife, he said about the razor. The other yeah. one was with his dad, and yeah, it was all all sorts of different things. So. Yeah, I love that. I love that because he's taken yeah ambiguity, love it, love it. and you loved it because I remember you said to me, "Oh, that's the Killing Joke version. That's this version." And I remember yeah. at uni, I sat you down. I was like, "What? Which one's real?" Because it was. I think I was getting annoyed that it didn't know. So I said to you, yeah. "Like, well, which one is it?" And you were like, "Well, if you read this one, it's this." And like, you know, I don't know. Okay, right. So are you who are you saying? I'm gonna have to go with Heath Ledger as well because it's the better film. It's the best film with Joker in it. 
I think that is a fair assessment. And for all the same reasons as you, like uh, I think Heath Ledger, the fact that he locked the way he locked himself away and isolated himself, yeah. um, probably probably is still the best one. However, I think Joaquin Phoenix's performance performance is performance is only second to Heath Ledger, and and it's by the tiniest of fractions. And I think you could argue it either way. How about that? Yeah, I'll allow it. Um, I'm really sorry. We have had a last-minute question, hot off the press. Oh yeah. I think we might have to also come back next next week and talk about it as well. Pete writes in, friend of the show. Pete writes in to moviesinapodshow at gmail dot com, and he says, "Hi Johnny and Jamie. He's changed his tune, hasn't he?" What's that all about? It's only because it's my birthday, so he's like, get get that in today, I reckon. Okay, yeah. do you know what? I'll allow it, like, yeah, yeah, I'll allow that. that happy birthday again. Um, right, you might need a couple of minutes to think about this. Taxi Driver is a film with an iconic line, and Joker has many quotes that have been immortalised in memes. Like what? Like, this? Is, we live in a society, maybe, probably that one. That's um, the wrong Joker. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. That's, but, that's, that's Jerry Leto, Joker. Yeah, I know, but that's it's Joker in it. It's all one character. Okay. I'm going to take it. Um, what are your favourite quotes from films? Why? And please, can you do your best impression? <laughs> oh, God. The best the best quotes for me as a kid, I used to love uh, Asta La Vista Baby. Right? Okay, Tell where's the two. impression? Asta La Vista Baby. And I'll be back. Like, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but also, um, in the first Terminator, just, I'll be back. Like, it's real low, low key. Right? And yeah. also, I think Terminator, one of the best lines is, come with me if you want to live. Kyle Reese, love that. Um, as you can um, tell, I, I only mean, watch I prefer, science fiction. I prefer, I prefer Arnie's one in, um, in Terminator 2. Because he says it in Terminator yeah, 2. Come with me if you want to live. Do you know what annoyed me though yeah. with with like with those later Terminator sequels when they kept repeating the lines? It was like Star Wars where it was like, oh, it's the same, but it's poetry. It all rhymes, and they you know like they keep doing the same thing anyway. Okay, well, um, other so famous lines. Is that, is that well? I mean, so for me, um, one that I always I, I always talk about all the time is Home Alone. Um, yeah. I made my family disappear and I, I say that all the time it's not really a good line but I'll tell you what is Merry Christmas you filthy animals excellent no so one of my favourite lines of all time um, is the line from um, what's his name in Blade Runner and I know it's a cop out oh I'm like so tears sorry, in Rutger, the rain Rutger Hauer. of course it so is says, yeah yeah fantastic I've seen things you, you people wouldn't, wouldn't believe, believe. Yeah. Hmm, attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I've watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost got, in time. No, like you got to do it in time. Rain. All those moments will be lost in time, like tears in rain. <laughs> I've, sorry, I've watched that one so many times. I love it. But anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I. The reason and the reason why I love that line because the performance is incredible. But yeah, there's so many reasons. The fact that he um, amended it, amended the monologue to like, but also think about the gravity, right, of that line. And I've said this loads of times. Think about like the gravity of the the line of he's mentioning all these things like um, sea beams glitter in the darkness of the Tannhauser Gate, blah blah blah. 
all those moments will be lost in time like tears in rain like it's got the a lot gravity of that is insane and i think it's honestly it's, it's incredible and and to um, completely bring it down like four notches one of their lines i absolutely love in a film which we we talked about says this is sparta and he kicks him in a pit that's you I, can't beat yeah, that i, I yeah, just no, think that's ace um, I've I've got uh, two more, um, and and the the reasons for them as well. Um, Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca when he says, um, "Of all the gin joints in all the world, she walks in a mine." Um, that's probably a rubbish impression. And um, the reason bad. why the reason why I love that quote is because a really weird reason. Um, and for all of you pop punk fans out there, Fallout Boy have a song called "Of All the Gin Joints in All the World." I never knew what it was from until I'd seen Casablanca and then I was like, wow. amazing. Yeah, well, I'm, no, when, bearing in mind I was like 13 when that album came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Can I ha- may I have a break? No. <laughs> okay. Um, and then the only other, um, the only I did have another one that came to mind, but uh, I can't remember now. But what I will do is I'm going to come back next week and I'm going to, we're going to begin the pod what about uh yeah we'll, we'll bring some back next week but i mean i see dead people yeah yeah i don't know i'm, joking. I'm joking i hate it it's crap to be honest if, it, if it's quotes the one i always used to quote was because i was sad uh at the end of wrath of khan uh leonard nimoy so spock does the the intro to the original series you know space the final frontier yes i always love that not gonna lie the only do you know the other thing i had um the other thing the the last one i will um go with one of my favourite films that we will definitely cover on the pod at some point. Um, I used to have it as my MSN... Uh, <laughs> MSN Messenger, anyone? Um, I used to have it as my MSN uh, username. Um, like, you know when you used to put your name and it used to be like... Whatever, no, it was like, your status. So mine mine was like yellow card lyrics. John, John F-A-F. <laughs> What's that? I can't repeat it on the pod, but I'll tell you after. Uh, <laughs> um, Excellent. Anyway, so um, the quote I used to have all the time because I was obsessed with 80s films at the time was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop around, if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. That used to love No, my my, Mine were all song lyrics for emo music from... Not Neo. Neo. I imagine you had like Neo. No, I was obsessed with stuff like anything All American Rejects, Yellow Card, My Chem. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, I was being yeah, yeah. edgy. Well, I was so edgy. Coheed and Cambria. Oh my God, yes. Uh, welcome home. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Don't want to get like struck because of how accurate that was for how the song sounds. Well, there we go. So we were on 89 Minutes. We're definitely at least on 100 now. I had to make Johnny work for his money this week. Classic. What we will say though is thank you so much for listening um as usual please go on your little apple podcasts or wherever you listen rate us five stars we only accept five stars if you're going to give us any less we don't want any rating at all just leave us alone just keep us with our five stars um but tell us what you like what you don't like please email us in uh, movies in a pod shell at gmail.com you can always find me at movies in a nutshell on instagram you can find john at jcb.video the next episode I've got here is apparently it's Uncle Buck uh, uh, do you know what we didn't even chat about what we were doing next before but there we go well, it's Uncle episode, Buck episode 19 is Uncle Buck what are we pairing it with 
I've got down here Matilda or Role Models. Oh, um, which one's Role Models? Is that the role one? Models is the one with um, Sean William Scott from oh, yes. American Pie. It's got to be Role Models. I've watched Matilda 2 recently, Role Models. I have not watched that in years. I used to okay, think it's good. Okay, so Uncle Buck paired with Role Models. The theme is bad parenting and bad parenting. silly silly adults looking after children. children. That is the pairing. Love Get it. Get up here. See you next season two weeks. I'm excited. Bye.